this is Your Friendly Reminder Podcast. My name is Gus, and this is your friendly reminder of what's going on in our lives, in your lives, and everything in between. Thank you for joining us. Hello, this is the Friendly Reminder Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Today is July the 9th. My name is Gus, and I'll be your host for the evening. Once again, I have my two dear friends here with me. Daniel, how are you today? Good. How are you doing, Gus? I'm doing pretty good. You know, there's a heat wave going on. It was 106 degrees today. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was, it was very hot. It was not that hot here, but it was very hot. Um, yes. Very hot. Very hot. But I was and driving home. Oh, hold on, Sam. Don't 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 get ahead of yourself. I still need to introduce you. As you guys know, Sam here is also part of our podcast. Sam, how are you today? I'm doing really well. Doing really well. Excited about today, about uh us talking about cool stuff and sad stuff. Yep, always looking forward for us getting together and talking about the depressing nature of our lives. I'm just kidding. Well, we're going to have a great time today. And I'd like to, once again, thank our listeners for joining us. Uh, we have a lot of topics to dis- uh, to go over today. And we're going to start with the 4th of July weekend. Uh, our president, the president of, of the United States, had decided to give a speech on uh, July the 3rd. So the day before the 4th of July, he did fly to Mount Rushmore, which is in South Dakota, I believe. Is that correct, guys? Where is Mount Rushmore? Yes, it is in South Dakota. All right, yeah. It's it's in the middle of everything. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a really hot spot. Very, yeah. And, you know, we're going to go over a little bit of what he said of what his speech means the significance of it and i just think it's best to to go uh, right ahead and just get started and the way i view it you know just to kind of add some what i think is some context and just what i think is the significance of this speech is this is their second attempt at basically relaunching the trump campaign you know we had the we had the tulsa rally which was supposed to be the big, the big restart after after COVID, because you know they fixed COVID, so now they they can get started again. Um, he did do a rousing twenty minutes on ramps and yeah. drinking water, so that that's very important, very yeah. key issues. <laughs> so that was just a big wet fart. I mean, yes. he, nobody showed up because why would you? Why would you be in an indoor area when when the virus is everywhere? Gus, and, you'd show up to hear about the ramps, didn't you hear? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's intense. I'm sure. I'm sure that there was a lot of FOMO after that after that speech. A lot of people wishing that they were they were in the presence of greatness. Yes, but nobody showed up. The speech was it was a disaster. He was just meandering around. You mentioned the the rampways, um, him drinking water. I mean, it was just, it was a forgettable experience. So the campaign took another shot at it. They wanted to But it also bigger. made him, it made him feel real bad, I think. So in that way, it was a victory for, <laughs> for America. 
because it was yeah. it was funny because he felt really bad afterwards because nobody showed up and it was a crappy speech so yeah yeah he was real sad but anyways you know he he and the campaign and the trump administration decided to do another go at it and this was bigger this was a coordinated um attempt it was a it was a prepared speech which I, be, I, I guess is the biggest difference. It, it was a, a written speech that he read off a teleprompter. And essentially, I feel he went over what he and his campaign thinks is the big re-election message, the big message to make up the ground, if you believe the polls, make up the ground that he um, he's trailing Joe Biden by, which, according to the polls, is a big amount. And quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that message is, first of all, that message is let's ignore the pandemic. I mean, straight up, let's ignore the pandemic. If I, I could be wrong, but I'm almost 100% certain that the only time he mentioned the virus was at the very beginning where he just said, you know, thank law enforcement, first responders, doctors, nurses, scientists working tirelessly to kill the virus is what he said, which. Yeah. And he said, I mean, it, and he put emphasis on kill. He was like to kill the virus. Yeah, cause, kill the virus. Because for some reason, over. yeah, because he's being tough. Kill it. Yeah, kill it like, I don't know, a zombie. But I, I would go even further and say it was an, this is an attempt to ignore there are no issues whatsoever in this entire speech. It is vacuous to the extreme. Um, it, it, it's not just COVID. It's the economy. Nothing. Nothing that yeah. actually matters or impacts materially people's lives was discussed in this speech. Unless you are a, a Confederate monument enthusiast, <laughs> I guess. That's Those, my that's, point. Yeah. What I also noticed was that no one was like wearing masks. Like no one. No. Yeah, I mean they that he's already made that point that I mean he, he goes back and forth, but we know deep down inside he hates wearing masks and he doesn't want his supporters to wear masks. But yeah, I mean my point is there was nothing about this speech about the pandemic, nothing about this speech uh, in regards to our unemployment rate still being in the double digits. Uh, nothing in the speech about the resurgence of the virus in southern states and the fact that in July, uh, the U.S. is reporting the most cases uh, during this pandemic. Nothing. This speech was entirely an appeal towards, I mean, if you, want, if you really want to be nice, you can call it white grievance. I would rather call it an appeal towards white nationalists and white supremacy. Um, it's it's coded in the fact that he wants to protect our history or our heritage, and that was it. I mean, it was a how long was this speech? Was it like 40, 50 it was minutes? Forty minutes. And it was like forty-four minutes. It was excruciatingly long. <laughs> it, it was, was terrible. Awful. It was awful. It was. Really it, was bad. it was like a. I'm, it I'm was hilarious reading. to see the intellectual conservative as being like, you know, you know, Trump may be a piece of fucking shit but he uh that was a great speech that was one of the best speeches of all and it's it's just it's literally they googled what is the most boring old-timey 1950s version of american history and then just insert a bunch of dog whistles into it it's it, you know other than the dog whistles that are already in there that's that's the that is it that is it is dull it is dull and and somehow also terrifying and fascistic but also just very boring 
it was boring. And you know, can we also talk about just how poorly written the speech is? Very like, poorly was, written. I, I'm just gonna read a, Stephen a Miller's special here. right here. Yeah. yeah, I'm just gonna read a paragraph here. Angry mobs are trying to tear down statues of our founders, deface our most sacred memorials, and unleash a wave of violent crime in our cities. Many of these people have no idea why they're doing this, <laughs> but, but some know, what, some they know are doing. what they are doing. They think that the American people are weak and soft and submissive, but no. <laughs> the American people are strong and proud, and they will not allow our country and all of its values, history, and culture to be taken from them. I mean, this is like... I remember my first speech class stuff. Like, yeah. This is written by a fifth grader. Like, I mean, that might be like an insult towards the fifth grader. This is just, as you said, like superficial and just like, it's, it's my comical. favorite line is what, what, okay. It, what is this? Many of these people have no idea what they're doing, why they're doing this. What, what does that mean? I don't know. Is like, it, what does that mean? Like, what, is he I, like I think, well, some of them, I don't know what that means, but some know what they're doing. <laughs> okay, I it must be some dog whistle that is going over our heads, but you know, certain people are like, "Oh yeah, he's talking about the Jews here for some reason." <laughs> like, I, I can't. Me off. Oh, sorry. No, it's just like someone wrote that down and it it meant something. I don't. I don't know. Go go ahead. Oh yeah, he you were. Well, I don't want to step on you. Go ahead and say what you were about to say. Well, what really pissed me off is when he talked about how the American people were not soft, submissive, or weak, which makes it feel like he doesn't think that these protesters are American citizens. Yeah, it's funny that he says that because it just made me think, yeah, motherfucker, the American people aren't soft and weak. That's why they're fucking out in the streets right now protesting in your bullshit. That's that's exactly what I thought, but it's it's just funny that, yeah, he's like... Yeah, these angry mobs, they're trying to... Does, uh, there's another part in here where he says they're trying to destroy America. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, cool. he... I'm trying to read through it here, but yeah, he ev eventually just says that they're just trying to... They're trying to overthrow the American Revolution, for example, is one of the things he said. Like, he's... Which, which is just... What does that Did even mean? Did they build mean? a time machine or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what it is, is they're trying to raise taxes on tea, I think that was what it was. Um I forget. Look guys, our Hamilton section is not until later, all right? Oh, so let's it's... let's hold off on that. Uh, but yeah, I mean that that's what he's trying to do, right? Like he's trying and this is not a new thing, by the way. This is not a Donald Trump, uh not just a Donald Trump special. The there's been members of the Republican Party and quite a few of them that have used the narrative of the real American. Right, like that, that that harkens back, it, it, just in terms of like modern political history, like that harkens back to Sarah Palin, right? Like he, she said that during the the 2008 election, and it, it goes far further than that. But that's nothing new. It's just that it's being distilled to a, to the to a, a very Trump essence, where yes, he doesn't feel that this other group is American. And he's he's not gonna he's not gonna present any kind of theme towards unity or any kind of overture to, towards the people that are protesting because he doesn't want that. What he wants is to keep 
throwing red meat at his base and keep essentially making these people angrier and angrier. And by these people, I mean his supporters. Honestly, you, you know what makes it even worse is that, and I think we've we've talked about this previously, the conserve the so-called reasonable conservative shows, the reasonable conservative commentary will cover for him. So, you know, you and I have friends who listen to the Wall Street Journal, who, who read the Wall Street Journal editorial page and things like that. I was listening to a Wall Street Journal podcast and they were they were they were shocked. They were like, this was a, a dark, you know, why would the media lie and say the speech was divisive? This was just a normal Fourth of July speech. That's what the, the podcast said. This was just a normal Fourth of July speech. And I literally wanted to, and I got lazy and didn't do this because I didn't think this bullshit speech was worth it, but I wanted to overlay them saying, why? This is not divisive at all. And then this quote from the speech, their goal, meaning the protesters, is not a better America. Their goal is to end America. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so it it's they're really playing cover for him. They're pretending like, oh what, this is just this is just normal stuff. It's not the loudest uh insane blowhorn of of you know, these people are coming for you, you know, the the hordes of people are coming for you and I'm the only one who can save you from them. And they're here to destroy your you know, fill in the blank, whatever you think is culture, your cheesecake factory, your whatever. Your, your yeah. Mount Rushmore, for example, the biggest example of all. And um, I think, like what what stands out to me more than anything, is that this is this is a speech being given during this time. He yeah. is the president of the United States. You know, this is the, the the biggest national crisis that we've had objectively since uh, since World War Two, and yes. since. Uh, you know, since the Great Depression. Yeah. And he... And we're talking spent, about statues. Yeah, he spent 40 minutes. He spent a second um, on on the virus. He spent absolutely no time on the economy. And he spent 40 minutes talking about heritage and history. In a, and, in a, during a, a, a Fourth of July speech that you would think a president would use to, to speak to the entire nation, but... And, and let's not forget the the scandal of the the how he knew about the bounties on American troops by Russia and did nothing for months and did nothing. That, that little um, these same people who who go off on the trip, like everybody there, they were chanting USA during this big dumb idiot speech. And nothing about not a word about this horrible thing that that happened and they don't care because it's not about that it's jerking off over white supremacy they don't really give a shit about the troops no they don't i mean they they don't give a shit about the country they they just wave little american flags and just say usa usa over over and over again without any real um any real desire to to actually hear their president actually tackle these issues because they know he can't and we know he can't. And the people in the Wall Street Journal know that he can't. Uh, and, you know, I, this speech made me think a lot about 2016. And I, I'm not going to try to relitigate the whole election, but what no, I, I think did we should hear, we should relitigate the entire election right now. Yeah, <laughs> no, that'll be fine. Yeah, plenty of time. But yeah, I'll I, be the Bernie guy you know, and you guys be the Just kidding. Yes. 
But what, what I heard constantly after the election and after Donald Trump won the election was that, oh, no, we can't just look, look at this, you know, black and white, that this was about racism and this was about white anger. This was about white grievance. It's There are other factors. There are economic factors. There's economic anxiety. There, he spoke to manufacturing jobs. Um, he, he spoke to uh, to coal miners and, and jobs being shipped to, to China or Mexico. And that's not all racial. That that's, that's an economic perspective. And I'm looking at this speech now, and I'm looking at the 2020 election, and I'm saying, okay, guys, let's cut the bullshit. He's not even talking about the economy anymore. He's not even talking about any kinds of jobs. So forget about trade. manufacturing jobs. He's not talking China. about trade. Like Joe Biden has been talking about more about trade than he has. He's, he's not, not talking ta- about China. Yeah, he's not talking about those things. So if this is going to be the constant theme of coming out of the Trump campaign all the way until November, then we need to look at the election the right way. And we need to look at the outcome the right way. Because in my eyes, it can be one of two things. You know, I, Joe Biden is not, and anybody here is preferred candidate. But if he wins, then I'm at the very least going to look at it as a rejection of racial tension, a, a rejection of white supremacy, a rejection of white nationalism. Uh, that doesn't mean that we fix racism or anything like that. There's going to be a lot of work that we do, even regardless of, of who wins in, in 2020. But if we elect Joe Biden, we fixed race. Come on. We yeah, fixed it. We it's did done. it. He's the one. Yeah. He was the chosen one. He is. But if Donald Trump is to win again, I hope at the very least the Wall Street... No. I'm, I'm saying this, I hope. There's, they're not going to do this. But no, in my not. Eyes, there's not going to be any question, right? Like, at the at the very least, when it comes to the states that matter in the Electoral College, there is a large number of people that are okay with the president ignoring this pandemic. They're okay with the president ignoring um, his failure when it comes to the economy. They're okay with the president, certainly okay with the president ignoring the social unrest. And in fact, adding to it and adding towards the tension so long as they still have a champion that can that can fight for white supremacy and that's it that's i'm I'm sorry if people think that's that lacks nuance and it's it's too black and white but it's like there is there are no more excuses this speech shows that there are no more excuses and gus you're you're underestimating the importance of statues i think people care a lot about statues they it's a, just a normal thing that people care a lot about. It has nothing to do with uh, race or, or anything. It's just statues, you know? People love them. So. Yeah, you're right. I mean, real Americans love just art and, and statues of different types. Just The thing know. that confounded me was when he says that the protesters are making a mockery of the people. But... Like, and he talks about Mount Rushmore, but then one of the presidents of Mount, on Mount Rushmore <laughs> is fucking Lincoln. Yes, yeah. It, it's it's insane. Well, one, also Jefferson, who, who, by the way, took part in an uprising against the government. <laughs> like, it's it's just another insane... It, it, it's, a, it's a very cabined view of history. That's another thing. If you read this, he doesn't actually talk about any of their accomplishments. 
Because if you actually talked about the stuff that we venerate in these people, you'd notice that it, it is very similar to the people who are out there protesting and getting tear gas po by police, not a jackass in front of standing, giving speeches in front of like 13 American flags. Like, uh, I mean, it's literally beyond parody that how many American flags Donald Trump has him during behind him during this speech. It's, I mean, it seems to be every speech where he has like he he does, yeah. And, and again, it's not and 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 the the can I say a thing about statue like genuinely about statues for a second? Um, because mm -hmm. so the statues thing the. For me, the the it's pretty black and white when it comes to the Confederacy stuff. That all of that stuff, the the flag, the names, all that stuff should have been gone years ago. When it goes now, it's too little, too late. I don't think anybody should be grateful that that stuff's going. It does enter more nuance when you're talking about like Thomas Jefferson and stuff. That being said, it's also the biggest misdirect of all time because it's like, why the fuck are we talking about statues when you, when the economy is 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 in free fall, people are getting sick and and hospital systems are being overwhelmed, and this guy wants to talk about statues. That's why he wants to talk about statues because if you talk about anything substantive, it's it's horrible for him. You know, he has. That's all he has. Even if you talk about the substance of the act, you know, he babbles on about how these protesters hate America and don't want to make it better. You go to the key about what the protesters want is that they want to improve police relationships with the African-American community. And it's like, is that not a worthy enough cause? Even if you don't think that's a necessary cause and you're a National Review conservative and you're like, well, you know, this is just all a big misunderstanding. Uh, it, it still should be something that's not like compared to terrorists which is what he's doing which is he's calling them the enemies of america <laughs> this yeah is, this isn't like a um yeah this is it's not it, people will defend the speech and then demand fairness from you at the same time which is amusing because this speech again calls people the enemies of america <laughs> calls people also... who are Sorry, he also got, talked about M Martin Luther King, and then right after he talks about how, like, what he did, and there's, like, no applause for that part, and right after he talks about that, he demeans the protesters. Yes, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, like, the editorial that, that I put into the chat a little while ago, where the guy was, like, the priest was, like, I don't think MLK would have liked all this marching in the street stuff, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, there was no, he's not trying to connect anything in regards to America's past to today. He's not trying to be like, oh, you know, the, the, what's going on right now is, 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 uh, harkens back to Martin, Martin Luther King because, like, he doesn't want to make that connection. He, no. he, he's, he was just presenting American figures that people know about and was just like, isn't America great? And yeah, yeah like it, could... it was a big statue of George Washington and a big statue of an eagle, and he's like, "Look at look at this shit! Isn't it awesome?" Like, yeah, it, it was. It was that what's that Disney ride or whatever the the, the that covers all, like the Hall of Presidents or whatever. Yes, exactly. It was, yeah. it was just that, but but more racist. Yeah, um, <laughs> and, 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 and it's it's yeah again he didn't talk about anything they actually did. I'm I'm skimming it right now. Like so little of actually what they did. 
and it's all about just like well these are you know these are the guys these are them look at them they're they're the guys you know and yeah i I think you touched on a good point daniel it's he's doing the doing this and i think a lot of conservatives are trying to cover for him because it's all they have because they they can't talk about the economy anymore that's the 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 virus took that away and they certainly can't talk about the virus because that's just getting worse and this is all they have left because it's it's not just trump that has been wrong conservatives were wrong about opening up america um conservatives were wrong about how to properly address the 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 protests and the social unrest they they immediately went towards the side of the cops and and immediately backed the 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 force and what they were using and and then they thought that the people were gonna rally around that and that so far hasn't happened at least not to the extent that they were looking for so they've been wrong too and and they don't want to face their their mistakes they would rather just get another thing that can that can distract the American people and can get them to win another election. And but that the real danger is that thing is just racism. And mm-hmm. and we're gonna have to make that choice. And I but I would rather go into it knowing what the choice is and not constantly trying to convince myself that we're not there yet. We are. And this is just the beginning. And this is Donald Trump at his most distilled, at his most polished, at his most prepared. Imagine when he starts the rallies all over again. You know, you're going to see the the bullshit that you saw in Tulsa, and it's just it's just going to get worse. I'm hoping to I'm hoping to get more about the ramp and the water. A few more. Yeah. Did didn't he drink the water and the, you know it was occurring to me he drank the water and then he threw it like he was being like oh I'm cool. Um. What. Isn't that a good way to spread COVID? <laughs> Just like sucking down some water and then tossing it on a bunch of sweaty hogs in your so, audience? I don't think a lot of listeners, or I don't know if a lot of listeners know what you mean by, you know, drinking water and using a ramp. But from what you said last time, he was like going down a ramp really slowly when he exited. Yes, when he gave his, his West Point speech. He went down a ramp really slowly, and it was awkward. And then he also drank water with two hands. And the media made a big deal out of it, and he became obsessed with it. And then at the Tulsa rally, he did like a 20-minute spiel about how good he is at walking down ramps and drinking water. <laughs> Which, yeah. I, When I say that out loud, it sounds absurd. But that's really what happened. Um, and that is what I'm referencing. Just because it, I think it is a funny to contrast this high this quote unquote fake high minded thing about heritage and then the the heritage being this idiot going on about how he can walk down ramps holding glasses of water and a bunch of people clapping for him <laughs> because he can do that. Um anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to, to derail us on that, but um no, I, I mean, was that that is what happened. <laughs> yes, it is, it is. I wish it's you hard. were exaggerating at some point of what you just said, but no, it's that, all that's accurate. just the facts. Yeah, I don't know, you guys. Is there anything else you'd like to cover about this, the speech of of our lifetimes? So I, uh, I don't know if you. I watched this thing twice, and the first time, I picked up on a lot of the. Uh, so I watched it on double speed because that's how I watch these things. Um, I felt a lot of the fascist stuff pop out. And then the second time, I tried to like listen to all the sort of 
stuff about Thomas Jefferson. And it's just literally, I think Stephen Miller must have Wikipedia Thomas Jefferson and just written down just a sent like a paragraph just of his accomplishments. And then the same with Abraham Lincoln. It's just that bad of a speech. It's like that poorly written. Um, it's amazing that <laughs> we have a, a pundit class that is pretending that this is some brilliant oratory when it's it's garbage and it's very poorly written garbage but yeah i don't know if there's any more to it other than other than i guess i don't know if you guys have ever been to mount rushmore i mean it's it's fine it's a lot smaller than you might think it is um i mean i barely guess where it was today i just took a good guess and yeah, I mean, I I would not say that it is particularly worth going to. Um, in South Dakota, there's a lot cooler stuff, <laughs> to be honest. But um, yeah. So there is one thing that I did notice, like right from the beginning of the speech, he says uh, "Happy Independence Day," and then everyone like claps and everything, and then he says "Thank you," as if he was part of fighting <laughs> for independence. Yeah. 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 We're so grateful for the given for Donald Trump to give us our independence. That reminds me. Hey, so every once in a while, my brain I have like uh, it's probably what people who take acid have, and they have acid flashbacks. Except it's, it's Trump flashbacks to like horrific things that he said before, and that we've kind of forgotten about. Remember after like some mass shooting, he tweeted, "Thanks for the congrats." Uh because he predicted it or some shit, or he said, pretended to predict it. That was a thing that happened and is horrible. He pretended to predict the mass shooting? Trump. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just looking it up real quick. Trump's thanks supporters for praising. So he, he tweeted out after the Orlando nightclub shooting, the Pulse shooting, Oh my God. He tweeted out, appreciate the congrats for being right on radical Islamic terrorism. I don't want congrats. I want toughness and vigilance. We must be smart. Do you guys remember that? Appreciate the congrats. You know, 20... I, I think I like <laughs> lodged it somewhere deep in my mind. And... Yeah, that happens a lot. You forget about this. It's just crazy shit. Appreciate the congrats, guys. Yeah, and you're going to hear more. Um, We'll see. You know, again, I think we're even with Joe Biden against Donald Trump. I, I honestly think it's it's a very clear choice. Um, I think Donald Trump is making it a clearer, clearer choice, clearer and clearer choice every day. But I'm not here to pretend that I that I have my pulse uh, or the, my fingers on the pulse of the American electorate. I think it's. It's a lousy political issue, I think, to 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 rely on this as your big message when you're down ten points in the polls is is the lousy a lousy political strategy. But I, I don't know how people are viewing this in Wisconsin or in Michigan or in Pennsylvania. I'm hoping that the polls are correct and that they're re- reflecting an understanding by by most of the American electorate that this is unacceptable. But that's not gonna. We're not gonna know that for sure until until November. All right, guys. Well, we do want to move on to our other topics of the day. I want to thank you for your input. That was a lively discussion. But Sam, you wanted to bring up what I thought was 
I mean, and I, I didn't know about this, but about us testing nuclear weapons or nuclear technology on our soldiers. Tell us a little yeah. bit more about that. So uh, I recently watched a documentary. Not, not called... us. Not us. Friendly reminder: us, the United States. Yes. Tell yeah. <laughs> so America. U.S. dot or U dot S dot. Just in case you're wondering. Um, so yeah, I recently watched this documentary called The Atomic Soldiers, which is on YouTube, and if you want to watch it, I, I prepare for some very um, dark, disturbing, disturbing words from these people who experience this. Um, now you yeah, found so, this on YouTube. Is this fake news, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it could be. You never did know. You verif- I mean, did you verify this? Did you go out to the? Yeah, I went ju- out. I went out to each individual who was on the documentary. I called them up and I was like, "Hey, this really happened to you, right?" And they're yeah. like, "Well, we yeah. gotta we gotta verify our sources here on Friend Real Mind. Yeah, <laughs> we're not just we're not just pulling stuff out of our butts, so." Um, it's actually, um, it was actually the, uh, the, the documentary, which was only like 20 minutes. It's not very long, but, um, the Atlantic was part of it. Yes. I was about to say, I mean, the, the link you gave us was to the Atlantic. So it's not, yeah, I want to stress that it wasn't Sam just going on Facebook and looking up nuclear super soldiers in this case. No, and and I Um, have seen this written up in the New York times, so. You know, it's probably fake because the New York Times is fake. Anyway, go ahead, Sam. Okay, so it was about how these about how the United States military tested nuclear bombs on United States soldiers. Um, After the victory over the Axis powers in World War II, the United States military started to recruit soldiers as test subjects for nuclear weapons research. The doc. This is like. What I'm going to say next is insane to me. Like, this blew my mind. But it says, uh, in the documentary, it says, the documentary states that the U.S. military used 1,000 nuclear bombs on an estimated 400,000 soldiers. And then, um, like, very few of these atomic soldiers are alive today. Like, it's just, ah, it's fucking insane, but... These atomic soldiers were sworn to secrecy. Very few ever talked about what happened until like 50 years later. Um, The first test they were in, they were in a a trench a mile away from where the nuclear bomb was going to be dropped. When it dropped, the soldiers um, could basically see through, like, they put up their hands in front of their face, and they could base, they basically had x-ray vision. Like, they could oh see, God. like, blood vessels and bones, and, like, they could see, like, their comrades, you know, skeleton and, and everything. When the blast got to the trench, the soldiers were thrown backwards. The trenches started to collapse during this explosion. When the soldiers looked at the mushroom cloud... They saw, and this is like one of the one of the persons actually commented on this about how he was, um, 
how sad he was at saying this, but he said that the colors from the nuclear explosion were so amazing and so beautiful. And now it just kept expanding and growing. Like, and then, um, I mean, after the, after these experiments, most of the atomic soldiers suffered from cancer and died. And there was a, it was a huge cover up by the United States government to hide this fact. Like, just think about that. You think about all these conspiracy theories about, like, aliens and covering up that. And, I mean, obviously the United States government has covered up some stuff. But this, by far, by far, is one of the worst things that I have ever heard about the United States government or the United States military covering covering up. Like, it was just insane to me. That does sound very insane. You'd recommend this documentary? Yeah, um, I mean, no. <laughs> you're like, I highly I don't recommend you do not it. watch this horrible documentary. Yeah, I think everyone should watch it, but I wouldn't say. Yeah, I was oh, actually man, getting ready to make jokes about superpowers. And then I was like, oh, no, I cannot, because this is very dark. Yeah, incredibly dark. All right. Yeah, but I mean, I mean everyone should see this. It's it's mind boggling. It, it's like the start of a of a great um mcu movie and until you know it's actually reality so it's, it's just reality really... yeah yeah oh boy okay but that's uh i mean that's we we talked uh last episode about american history and what are things that are um that should be part of what we teach toward to to our children and really to 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 everybody, uh, and some of that is just not covered, and some of that is is in fact actively covered up. Um, I'm not much when it comes to conspiracy theories. I don't really like to indulge with them, but sometimes there are cover ups. Sometimes there are uh, there are governments that that decide to want to hide atrocities, and at the very least, you know, thirty, forty years down the line, it's our responsibility to look back at these kinds of things and and call it out for. For what it is and whatever accountability we can still hold at that time try try to hold the people accountable for it but that's you know for a lot of these soldiers that doesn't matter anymore so that's a very sad but certainly very interesting uh story i will i will certainly be watching the documentary so i appreciate that sam yeah, yeah thank you of sam. course so i did it all myself <laughs> Thanks for making this documentary, Sam. Under your pen name, Morgan, Morgan Nibby. Yeah. So, over the 4th of July weekend, I and I think perhaps 80% of Twitter watched uh, Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. It came out same day as, as the Trump speech on July 3rd. I have never, have anybody here watched it? Has anybody watched it uh, either live or, or on I've Disney watched, Plus? I've um, like the first half of it on Disney Plus with my family. I have not seen it. I saw In the Heights and I liked it, which is the, the prequel. <laughs> the prequel to yes, Hamilton. The prequel to Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, it's when Hamilton has a bodega in Washington Heights. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, you and have to I liked that, In uh, the Heights. 
you, to understand it, yeah. yeah. But and and I've heard the uh, I had a boss who she loved the Hamilton soundtrack, um, and mm-hmm. she would listen to it a lot. And uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I've heard the soundtrack, and it, you know, I mean, it sound it definitely sounded uh like hip hop that my boss would listen to. So yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> which I loved and- her. I love her. Um, and I'll be honest, like I, I've listened to the soundtrack. I think as a way of covering history, I I enjoyed the songs, but this was my the first time I've ever watched the actual performances, watched the actual production. Um, it's kind of weird because it's, it's the original, right? It's like it uh, with the what got Lin Lin Manuel Miranda. Yes. It's him as playing. Uh, yes, Hamilton. Yes, it's right. the original cast. Um, it, it's it's not like a live... Well, yeah, there is an audience, but I think they re-recorded this actual perform, performance well after the original theatrical run. Don't quote me on that. I could be I could be wrong, but it wasn't. It's not like a documentary. They, it's it's filmed. It's it's presented to to it's designed to be presented to to an audience either watching it on a, a movie screen or. Which was the original intention? It was gonna. It was supposed to be released in theaters, but obviously, that with everything going on, that 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 was changed, and now it's it's made for Disney Plus. And so, this is the first time I I experienced it, and honestly, shit's good. I mean, just from a production yeah. standpoint, the music is great. The performances are excellent. Um. The the way it's actually shot and that's um, that's good. I feel like Twitter Twitter was being very like Hamilton sucks because I'm a leftist and blah blah right. blah about it. So I'm glad that it's it's worth checking out. Well, I mean, I think like that's a separate point altogether. Like what what I'm referring to specifically is just just from a performance. <laughs> You're like that was also me saying in that voice. <laughs> no, it was not me, but <laughs> yes, but. <laughs> But my point is, like, from a performance standpoint, from from an entertainment standpoint, like, the performances are great. Leslie Odom as Aaron Burr, I mean, superb. Uh, Lin Manuel Miranda is 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 really good as as Hamilton. It's again, it's well shot. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Like, if I if I'm to tell somebody, should I? If somebody were to ask me, should I watch this? I'd be like, yeah, hell yeah, dude. Like, if you have Disney Plus, you're gonna enjoy it. You're gonna have a good time. But you did hit on something, Daniel. And I wasn't one of these people on Twitter being like, well, you know, Hamilton was was uh, pro-authoritarian. He wanted a president for life. But, uh, he was pro-slavery. Like, and I don't mean to do it in that voice, because what I'm actually about to say is I actually think those are good points. And <laughs> I don't know. I got into, I got into the whole, like, parrying something when I didn't really mean to. But... I, I mean, this is very similar to like the Trump speech, right? Like how he covers American history, except this is good. This is very entertaining. Yeah. And maybe the fact that it is good makes it harder to, to reconcile. It's still a, it's still a gloss of, of a sheen yeah. on America, what amounts to. Yes. It, like it, yeah. it glosses over slavery. Um, right. Uh, it, uh, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> yeah. It does, yes. It's very yada, yada, yada <laughs> in the way it touches slavery. Um, and it does you know show it doesn't really touch upon thomas jefferson or um 
George Washington uh, owning slaves or, or Alexander Hamilton being pretty much for the slave trade, even though he didn't own slaves himself. Uh, it goes over, it, it jumps over that fact because it's, it doesn't want to be burdened by it, right? Like it's it's already telling a pretty big story about the birth of, I was about to say birth of a nation, but I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to. Why, why are you trying to get politics into my art, man? Why don't you just yeah. let the art breathe and, and yeah, man, why are you trying to get politics? I, I, I'm just joking. I think this art in particular is going to be inherently political. I think it's, he wrote it in 2005, as I understand it, or he started writing in 2005. That might be, it was a lot, it was, it was an easier time, even though it was during the Bush presidency, but I, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe I mean, it was I, right before the financial crisis, so maybe that's a bad example, but yeah, it wasn't, go, sorry, go ahead. I didn't sorry. mean to cut you off, but I, I don't know when he first started writing it. I do know it was, it's been a project he was working on for a very long time. Um, I know he presented it, um, some sort of event held in the White House during the Obama administration. He, mm. he presented uh, My Shot, which is the big song of of the uh, of the play um so yes you're right like he's been working on this for a while and, and it was a, he, it I, for it to come out in, in 2020 uh, as as a wide release is i think what is is propelling this this conversation around hamilton because it's so, it's go ahead oh sorry i didn't i didn't mean to interrupt cut in um what i was gonna say is i think for something to come out during the Obama presidency like that, where you sort of take these these maybe Anglo-centric stories and, and sort of put characters of color in them, and that's sort of the twist on it. Um, I think, you know, during the Obama presidency, it felt like innocent, you know, you really felt like, oh, yes, we, the people, and I'm not saying any particular, I'm saying the diverse allotment of people, all, all races, are recapturing yeah. history. That's what it felt like. Now it, I because I don't know something happened between now and then that, where where that maybe cheapened the the American symbols, and now it's it's almost yeah. It's, it's so it's, it's like Trump's one. speech. It's almost like a uh, it's like oh okay, so you took this sort of inherently white supremacist play and dressed up the characters in in brown face i'm not saying it is that i'm saying you kind of you can the context is different for the politics so it's no longer this feel-good thing it's it's a little more like okay maybe this is you're you're softening it and not and not dealing with the harsh realities of it and it's like maybe that had something to do with getting us in the place we are in the first in now so i mean you look a little more askance at that kind of thing i guess I don't yeah, know. Is and, it a, is it kind of a both sidesy kind of? I don't know. Is it like, hey, communists are bad, and so are fascists? I, I, does it? I don't know. Does it get into that deep? Yeah, I, it definitely. I don't, know. It's, communism it, you, I don't think it's very like politically cogent. Is it? I mean, um, no. I mean, yes. Uh, well, but it's conservative it's, in the sense that it focuses a lot on like, oh, the American dream is for right. all of us, is for all the people here, and it's like. What? all the people here uh right i mean the play itself like it is political in, in a way but it's not taking a side 
right? It's, yeah. It, it presents the Federalists the same as the Anti-Federalists, the Federalists and Anti-Federalists at that time. Um, but, and I, I don't want to take anything away from, from the people involved in this play. I think it's, a, again, I said it, I think it's an excellent play. I think the performances are genuine. I think the ambition, uh, but also the message behind it is is genuine and impressive and, and well-meaning. But it, and I think, I mean, even certain that Lim and old Miranda would probably agree with it, it fails to tell the whole story. Mm. And it, it's still more of what we talk about when we say that, when we talk about American history, we want to talk about it in a way that we feel proud. And I think, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I no, don't want to be the constant person that wants to tell people not to be proud of their country. I want to be proud of my country. Yeah. I want to look at this stuff. And, 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 and in fact, I do. Like when I, that, as opposed to the Trump speech, so when I look at it and I feel disgusted, like with yeah. this, I genuinely feel proud. But once, or, you know, more proud of, of, of the country that I'm part of than, um, than something like the Trump speech. But that it's, doesn't it's mean a str- that It's a straw things. man, conservative attack. It doesn't really, I mean, it exists, but it's, I mean, look, we are probably as left as you can be, and both of I think everyone here on here is like, we we also want to feel proud of our country. <laughs> like, it's not, it's a straw man. It's like, yeah, those people who hate America, like, not there are very few people who genuinely are like, no, fuck, fuck this country, we gotta tear it down from the wall. Like, very few people actually feel that way, uh, regardless yeah. of Trump being like, yeah, man, Joe Biden is gonna put a dashiki on and start and go power to the people and start burning things down, which would yeah. honestly be pretty awesome. So, yeah, yeah I, I agree. Like, I think there's, and I think there's a genuine conflict with when, at least speaking from, um, for myself, like when I watch this play and when I thoroughly enjoy it and when I, I enjoy how it presents our, our founding fathers, there is still a conflict and I don't think there is a very clean resolution to how we're supposed to feel about these things, because maybe it is possible to admire the work of Alexander Hamilton and of Thomas Jefferson and of George Washington um, in terms of how they founded this this country, but also be open and be blatant about the fact that they were slave owners or, or they were part of, of the slave trade in, in some ways or another. I think it's possible to be proud of the his, at least some of the history and some of the progress being made in this country from its inception to now, but also reflect upon the, the fact that there are so many atrocities and there, there, there are so many things that we gloss over and we don't want to deal with because we don't want to be inconvenienced by by the fact that the nation we're part of has has a very ugly past. But I I don't think you necessarily have to hate this country, as you mentioned, or or have to um be con- like be be constantly trying to to negate our progress. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm trying to word this in a, in a way, and I, my apologies that I'm kind of I'm kind of stalling here. But well, no, I think that that I agree with you that it's uh, again, I think it's a straw man. No, people who present who want to present American history in a way that's real and and at times inconvenient 
to our social narratives, they don't they don't do it out of a sense of antipathy towards the United States. That would be silly. They're doing it because this is the real history. And you, you know, when me personally, when I read this history, this is stuff that I feel like we need to know to contextualize, especially things like Black Lives Matter, social movements, fascist movements like Trump. You need this all. There's an entire history that needs to be contextualized for this stuff, and it's very important that you know it for those reasons. But it's like the idea that I'm I'm learn I'm learning it specifically to hate America. It's so crass. It's insane. I like, and I, I don't think there are no people that do that, but it's 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 silly. I think personally, yeah. and it's it it it's it, and it almost makes you feel guilty for for liking the stuff that because you think it might play into this stupid fake America. And and I was right, thinking about this for In the Heights uh, because it is a very good musical. Um, but I can see a a left critique that literally nobody has made, but I'm making it as a straw man in my head because I know conservatives will make it and they'll think, well, no, this this play is about, you know, it venerates the idea that America has allowed immigrants to lift themselves up through entrepreneurship and things like that. And it does do those things. And I appreciate those things about it. And I don't want to make be made to feel that I'm that I'm by buying into that i'm buying into this insane wide-eyed man this this idea of this man standing in front of uh of abraham lincoln and yelling about how they're not going to come and tear down our our mount rushmore those aren't the same thing like you can you can be very proud of america without buying into that uh fake patriotism um that's my opinion. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I guess that, that's that's essentially what I was trying to say. I just wasn't as eloquent, but yeah, our cynicism is patriotic, and our criticism is patriotic, and also us enjoying things that celebrate America can be patriotic so long as we do so with with the desire to to always be improving upon what we have today. It's great just learning from the past and trying not to repeat those those past yeah. mistakes. But that's that was kind of my conflict watching Hamilton. I still think it's a it's really a terrific play. It's it's really a must watch. But is uh do they have a recording of In the Heights on Disney Plus? I know there's a no, movie coming there's out. There's a movie would... coming out. I think that one they're actually holding off. So and oh, that is of like COVID. Yeah, that is like a, a th- this is the actual play like it's 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 in the um the actual theater the in the heights is a made for um what's the word for it just like a live action um version of it yeah, yeah it's a live action well they should make they should still make it available um just i mean I they will, will eventually once it once that's actually out in theaters and it goes through its theatrical run. Well, I mean, they should make a they should make a stage performance available. I don't know. Yeah, you know that was uh, actually, you know what also another screw, thing that I screw Disney, screw Lin Manuel Miranda. Just just watch watch West Side Story. It's good. The movie. Yeah, it's a good musical. <laughs> it's a better musical, I would say. Uh, I've never seen Hamilton, but I know for a fact that West Side Story is a better movie. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. 
well, put more angry. musicals, put more musicals in streaming services. Honestly. Yes, there's I no agree. excuse. We we don't need to pay them eight hundred dollars to go watch Cats. Nobody, nobody. Well, yeah, especially stuff that's been out for such a long time. And I get it; they want to put it out. But honestly, I mean, I'm talking not talking about COVID. I'm talking about post COVID. People are still gonna pay to go see those shows. They're not gonna be like, well, we'll just watch it on TV. They're gonna, you know, there's people still go. And, and you know, to have their theatrical run, and then three, four years later, put it on a streaming service. No big deal. Exactly. They had, you know, I went to a show. I went to a showing of Avenue Q off Broadway when I when I was in New York, and it was almost full. Like there was a lot of people willing to pay, and you know, the tickets weren't particularly cheap. They were like forty bucks or whatever. Put, you know, I could go see Avenue Q probably see a performance of it, but I still went because that's part of the fun. So I don't know. I don't think they're going to lose a lot if they put that stuff out, even after a couple of years. Yeah. I think you're just wanting to make it more available to the to the people who can't pay, you know, $800. Yeah. Or can't tickets. fly to New York and go see, go see first round show. Yeah. Or can't fly to New oh, York. I just want to yeah. watch it in my damn living room. It's Jeez. an, ex- yeah, music. Thing? Well, but music, I, I feel like it's insane. It's sort of like, you kind of can't take any of the working class narrative seriously in a lot of musicals because it's like this very elite form of entertainment yeah. that you, you know, I mean, people still haven't seen the Book of Mormon because it's difficult to, to see because you can only, you know. Well, I've seen it. Good for you, Sam. Fucking yeah. hilarious. I'm sure I'll see it in. <laughs> it was actually, I'll, uh, see, I'll see it 10 years later and sister. politics of it will be a mess and I'll be like, what? What were people thinking? Like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Com- com- I don't know. I think it'll still be well, but I don't know. Well, we do need to move on. Um, Sam, I know you wanted to give us an update on the anime that you've been watching. We are at the hour mark. Um, I don't know how long it's going to be. Do you do you want to save it maybe for next week's episode? Uh, it won't take long, but I can save it if it, if you feel oh, if you go want ahead. Me if to it won't save take it. long, let's let's do this. All right, I'm on the speed read. The latest episode of Welcome to NHK is about Sato falling back down to a need, which again is not an employment, education, or training. His apartment was full of trash, and he looked like he didn't shave for a while. He then gets a call from his mom saying that she is going to visit him in Tokyo. He then starts to lie about he has, that he has a job and he has a girlfriend, and that um, he's doing much better, which of course he isn't. And I, when I've been depressed, I have felt like that before, and I've lied before because of my depression, where... I, I'm scared to tell the truth for repercussions. But it seems with the help of others for Sato, get Sato back on the right track. And maybe I haven't truly learned that, or maybe I haven't truly understood that, but um, the more that I watch this anime, the more that, I, that I'm learning from it. Very beautiful. It really sounds like, you know, you're connecting with it, not just on... Um, as an enjoyable thing, but it's it's really touching upon you know some of your your struggles in history with mental health, which I think is is important, and it's 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 always important to share that with people that 
a lot of us suffered through this and we're we're not alone. So glad you shared that, Sam. Yeah, thank you, Sam. Yeah. Thank well, you. folks, I want to thank all of you for listening today. That is our show. Daniel, Sam, thank you so much. Uh, lots of great topics of conversation today. So I really just want to thank you for, for what you both brought to the table today. And thank you, Gus. Of course. Thank you. I am Gus. going to end this with a, a quote of my own. You know, we, we talked about one speech uh, earlier today. I want to end it with just a quote from another one. This is from Barack Obama's speech in Selma back in 2015. And I think it highlights some of the things we talked about today. We are the people Emerson wrote of, who for truth and honor's sake stand fast and suffer long, who are never tired so long as we can see far enough. That's what America is not stock photos or airbrush history or feeble attempts to define some of us as more American as others. We respect the past, but we don't pine for it. We don't fear the future, we grab for it. America is not some fragile thing. We are large, in the words of Whitman, containing multitudes. We are boisterous and diverse and full of energy, perpetually young in spirit, that's why someone like John Lewis at the ripe old age of 25 could lead a mighty march. And that's what the young people here today and listening all across the country must take away from this day. You are America, unconstrained by habits and convention, unencumbered by what is, and ready to see, to seize what ought to be. Thank you for listening. I'll see you all next week. <laughs>